It's Tuesday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. A lot of football today, kind of a regular week. We've had some irregular weeks, um, you know, Monday night games and bye weeks and things like that. A little bit of a strange week for the Vikings, I guess, because they play Saturday. But in terms of the podcast schedule, which is really all I care about, I'm all about myself when it comes to the schedule. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty normal week. So Andrew Kramer. Vikings writer for the Star Tribune will join me here in just a little bit. We'll break down the film from Sunday's game. You can hear me chuckling already. You're like, how much film is there to break down? It was a three to nothing game. Well, surprisingly, a lot, actually a lot to see, a lot to really like on defense, of course. They, they, you know, they score a shutout. Um, need every bit of that in that three nothing win. A lot to uh, digest and dissect and uh, be disgusted with on offense when you only score three points. But we'll get into both of those things. Talk a little bit about the quarterback decision that sounds like it still hasn't fully been made, according to Kevin O'Connell on Monday when he met with reporters. But sounds like it may be more a matter of wanting to talk to everybody on the team versus um, not quite knowing what they're going to do. It sure sounded like he was inching towards naming Nick Mullins the starter for Saturday's game at uh, at Cincinnati, but I'm sure we'll find out more either today or tomorrow on that front. But Andrew and I will break down the film. We'll have poetry as well with my good friend Keith Rashad. Four, four, more poems than points is the theme of this show, uh, but we'll get into plenty of stuff in that segment as well, including the influence and excellence of Brian Flores, defensive coordinator. Monday night game continued a really good, it was a really good week for the Vikings um, in terms of not only their eventual outcome, at least, but everybody else. I'm going to explain to you why you should be elated, but also a little uh, disgusted and disappointed by what you saw in the Giants-Packers game on Monday night. Got some Gophers thoughts, Very a couple little Gophers thoughts at the end leading into a, a guest uh, on Wednesday's show. First, though, what I missed, we're going to get a little Wolves talk quick here. They lost last night at New Orleans. I was not surprised by that. You just look at that like, hey, I know they're 17-4. and four. I know that they are... You know, have handled New Orleans so far this year, but here's a game where no Anthony Edwards, um, still kind of battling that hip soreness. You want to get that right. You don't want this to be a recurring thing. So I need that. They need to shut Ant down until it's not just a pain tolerance thing, but that, but that it's an actual like, hey, you are ninety percent, ninety five percent. You don't have to be a hundred percent, but you got to be more than eighty percent. You got to be more than seventy, eighty percent. I don't know where he was when he tried to come back the other day, but it still seems like it's bugging him. So keep him out at least until that is ready to go. But he didn't play in this game. New Orleans had both Zion Williamson and um, CJ McCollum in this game too. They're, they're, they're two best players. So it was different, even though this is the third time they've played and the Wolves have been good against them. Anthony Edwards played in those first two. Um, those other two good players for New Orleans did not. That was the difference in this game. Wolves lose 121-107. And, uh, you know, foul trouble, free throw disparity, and really just, you know, a, a struggle in this game. I think it's, it's not a great matchup, I don't feel like, when, when both teams are fully healthy. Now, you don't catch New Orleans, you don't, you don't catch Zion fully healthy all that often, but uh, when you do, they are a formidable team. So I'm not so worried about a one-off. What I am worried about a little bit, I worry is the wrong word, what I am, in, what I am interested in is this was the first of, 
16 games the Wolves have against teams above 500 right now, and 11 of those are on the road. This is the most daunting stretch of their schedule. I was talking to Chris Hine about this the other day, just informally. We had a little uh, sports holiday party. It was his last night. Just kind of talking Wolves because, of course, you get a bunch of journalists together. We have to talk shop. We can't just can't just not talk about journalism. Um, Chris and I, by the way, Chris will be a guest on Thursday's show before the Wolves' next game at Dallas. Another one of uh, another one of the good tests for them. Um, it should be fun watching Jaden McDaniels try to defend Luka Doncic. I would imagine for a good stretch of that game, uh, Jaden McDaniels made his return, came off the bench against the Pelicans in the loss on Wednesday. But I'm not, you know, Chris and I just informally kind of talking about it last night, and I'm sure we'll get to get into it more Thursday. But this is just a big stretch of tough games for them, and it's not like their schedule to this point has been overwhelmingly easy they've played some good teams in this 17 and 4 start they've caught some teams at good times but you know they, they beat boston they beat denver they've played golden state twice they've, they've played some good teams already this season but they have taken care of business against some of the lesser teams so far now so after after the 16 game stretch their schedule lightens up considerably but you can't have your season crater right now. You've got to weather the storm. You've got to show that you, if you're going to be a good team, if you're going to be one of the best teams in the West, you have to get through this stretch by by winning a lot of these games. I don't think you have to win. You don't have to win like you don't have to go twelve and four in this daunting stretch, but you need to go like nine and seven, eight and eight to feel like, hey, okay, you know, you got through this really tough stretch of games. You show that you are this team. They didn't do that on Monday against New Orleans that's a one off right that until it happens multiple times until it starts to become a trend you don't worry so you don't want to worry about this you want them to stem this thing to get the, to get back in the win column sooner rather than later and have a good showing during this 16 games against tough competition that'll give you a preview of hey is this team for real can they do anything in the playoffs this year things like that so that's what i'm watching with the wolves in the next you know month or so of calendar of the next 16 uh, 15 games now can they be excellent against the best in the NBA and then get to that point beyond that where they get those easier games? Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. It's a film review with Andrew Kramer, Vikings writer for the Star Tribune. We're going to spend about five minutes for every point scored in the game uh, against the <laughs> against the Raiders. A 3 nothing Vikings win, Andrew. You can look at it any way you want. Um, you know, you could and the result is the result. They they banked the win. They're not gonna not going to give it back. Um, there's been a lot of close games again this year. A real, obviously, a, a standout day for the defense and a, a pretty pathetic showing by the offense. It takes until the final, you know, right around the final two minutes, right till the the, the two minute warning and a quarterback change in the game before they even get three points. Uh, plenty to digest with the quarterback play, Andrew, and with how well the defense played in this game. Yeah, to me, going into this one out of the bye week, this game was about the Vikings. It was about how well are they going to play. 
Um, not really about the opponent. You assumed they were better than the opponent, more talented with an interim head coach and Antonio Pierce, uh, rookie quarterback and Aiden O'Connell. Like clearly the Vikings were set up to win this game. It's just, how are they going to look? And yeah, it's great. They got the win, but otherwise it was just an abject failure on how they looked, um, offensively. Um, injuries obviously are a big, big reason why, uh, starting with the injury, uh, six weeks ago to Kirk cousins, but in that game, uh, you lose Jefferson again, uh, Madison O'Neill, um, Dobbs wasn't playing well before all those guys got hurt. Um, and then obviously when that, those, the, the attrition mounted, it was just too much. And I thought O'Connell still wasn't necessarily looking comfortable with the quarterback as much as the quarterback wasn't looking comfortable, um, out there in the pocket. Um, this was a game where Alexander Madison was running pretty well, yet yeah. he only got 10 carries in that game and he gets hurt late in the game in the second half. Um, so I think there's just a lot of reasons why this offense continues to be short circuited. And, and again, injuries are the number one reason, but we've seen them perform better in spite of these injuries um, at key spots. They just played seven games without Justin Jefferson. Um, they are capable of playing better than this. And, and whether it was the backups getting the false starts or the offensive line penalties, or was the drop passes, Hawkinson drops one down the sideline early in the game that I forgot about until you go back and watch it. And, uh, it was a key sequence where it was right before Greg Joseph's missed a uh, 49 yard field goal, two plays before that Hawkinson has this back shoulder pass that Dobbs, you know, kind of steps up, puts it right on him. It's a good play for Dobbs and it amounts to, to zero for one in the box score because Hawkinson just can't hold on to it. KJ Osborne dropped like two or three passes in this game. Madison dropped one on the play. He got hurt in the third quarter. Um, it's just a lot of continued issues that this is who this team is where it's 13 games in and, um, they, they need a lot to go right for them right now to win games because of how injured they are. And throughout the year, they've been a team that's just tough to bet on in terms of those things going right. The troubling thing to me in this game is they had a bye week, right? They had a week to kind of do kind of a self-scout, a, a chance that you don't usually get during the season unless it's a bye week. What seemed like a golden opportunity for Kevin O'Connell to sit down with Josh Dobbs and say, okay, you came in here in the middle of a week. You had to play four days after you got here. You've been kind of going at this breakneck pace. Let's sit down for a little while. Let's make a Let's make a decision first on if you're the guy for the next game. And let's talk about what we want you to do what you do well and how we can kind of merge those things together into an effective kind of tandem game plan going forward. And instead you get a quarterback who doesn't produce any points, doesn't turn the ball over in this game, which is big, but doesn't produce any points for, you know, three and a half quarters before he's pulled. What What's the disconnect there? Why does Dobbs seem to be getting worse the more he knows about this offense? Well, they've tried to adjust it too with him to like we were talking about and coming out of the bye week, one of the things they tried to do was uh, run the read option more, uh, incorporate that into the running game. And you could tell 
those are some of their worst producing plays. And it just looked clunky. It looked awkward. It looked like a team that doesn't run that. It looked like Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler weren't used to having to having the quarterback rip the ball out of their hands. They're used to always taking it because Kirk Cousins is never pulling that thing to run himself on a design run play. So those things looked uh, like they just weren't uh, comfortable. And it looked like a team that's playing with a quarterback that just joined them. So I think that's a big part of it. The other part of it is we don't know who Josh Dobbs is. Really, this this year is his first year as a long-term starter. This guy's first NFL start came a year ago for the Tennessee Titans. He became the second quarterback, I think, since Baker Mayfield to, or the only quarterback with Baker Mayfield to start for three different teams in a calendar year. This is all of his NFL experience. We saw with the Cardinals, he was a one game winner for them. Here, it's been just as much of a struggle as as injuries mount around him. And I think the consistency hasn't been there. The poise hasn't been there. And when pressure gets to him, he overreacts. Uh, I think Mark Sanchez or whoever the broadcaster was yeah, Sanchez. Pointed, pointed it out um, that he's escaping the pocket too much. And as soon as Nick Mullins comes in, you saw him stand in there like Kirk Cousins used to and deliver the football downfield Two guys that are really talented who are generally going to catch the ball. Um, so I, I think you're seeing Dobbs just kind of look frightened out there and not play quarterback well, not go through the operation well. Um, and so even when the coaching staff tries to meet him halfway, those things don't look natural. And then when you try to just do basic stuff with him, like throw to Addison on a hook route, that leads to the uh, first sack that he took on third down where he's staring on Addison's direction. He's staring to that side of the field and he doesn't get the ball out. Um, it's really inexcusable for an NFL quarterback to do that. And then we have to remember again, it's a guy in his 17th career start or 16th or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. It does seem like he's overthinking it out there and you never know exactly like, are they giving him too much information? Are they trying to get are they into his head a little bit too much? Or is this just like, Hey, if you are going to play more than just, a game or two well, this is what you need to do. And if you can't do this well, we can't have you as our quarterback. Yeah, and one thing too, it's all it's all week to week and matchup based, right? And so you talk about overthinking things. The Vikings went into this game, uh, um, TJ Hawkinson and O'Connell uh, alluded to this afterward, that they thought the Raiders weren't going to blitz as much as they did. And so the Vikings had some more long design plays that didn't necessarily have six, seven man protections. And some of those blitzes caught them by surprise where they didn't get into those protections. Um, so I think that uh, disturbed them a little bit. So it was just a coaching uh, lack of a coaching adjustment on the fly in game with him and how much of that is having a quarterback that you've only been with for a month and you don't have the inventory to say, hey, let's go back to the thing that we installed in June. You remember that package against the Blitz that we go to? Oh, no, I don't because I've been here for four weeks. So I think some of that is coming into to play too. Kirk Cousins would go to almost every play at the line of scrimmage with multiple options and he would check into to it. Um, I don't think Josh Dobbs is doing that very often uh, given where he's at. So the flexibility of this offense is bad. The execution's been bad. Um, and I think you're just seeing all that come together. Why? I mean, I know the Raiders don't blitz much. They have a pretty low blitz rate, but knowing what they saw, you know, in the second half against Denver and against Chicago, where they did bring pressure and have success with it, I, I'm not surprised that the Raiders blitz. That's kind of how you beat Josh Dobbs, right? 
Yeah, you you basically line up wide and try to keep him in the pocket and collapse it. Um, because he's if you give him the only way to escape is backwards, sometimes he's going to take it uh, to the detriment of the offense. Um, so you're right. Yeah, you're seeing the playbook now kind of lay out. And again, that's something that happens. I've heard coaches describe a, a quarterback's first, you know, 12 starts or whatever, or when a defense kind of gets a playbook on you. And then after that, you see some kind of adjustments come in because you've seen that quarterback face 12 different defenses or variations or whatever. And it gives you an idea of how they're going to attack or be comfortable or uncomfortable with certain looks. And so you're seeing him enter that kind of stage of his career where there's a volume on him. And now in Minnesota, there is too with, with four games or five games, however many it's been. Um, So you're just seeing that lack of adjustment, lack of consistency. And that's what separates great or even good competent NFL quarterbacks from a, a Brock Purdy, who's more than a flash in a pan to Josh Dobbs, who's clearly trying to be more than that. They go with Nick Mullins. He gives them at least something, you know, the first drive, they, they at least move the ball down the field. They have to punt, but it, it, you know, sets them up pretty well field position wise. Then he leads them on a field goal drive on his only other drive. And there's three third down conversions on that scoring drive. One, two, KJ Osborne, one to Hawkinson, where he stood in and took a hit, but got it out in, sh- in a short conversion. And the big one to Addison down the sideline. None of these were like, wow, uh, look at that arm, or wow, what are, what other quarterback makes that throw? Those they were kind of like basic, you know, sideline throws, outs, uh, you know, checkdowns. But compared to what we saw from Dobbs and on the other side from Aiden O'Connell, they looked like prime Joe Montana out there. It was composure, right? Yeah, in prime Joe Montana. I like that. It was, it was just composure. It was, it, it's night and day how Dobbs looked in Atlanta, where it just it seemed like there was no pressure on him. It felt like he was going out there, and I don't mean like physical the defense pressuring him. I mean it felt like the weight of the world wasn't on his shoulders. Whereas now it feels like every pass he's making, like he's been coached, don't make a single turnover because yeah. that's that is their coaching point behind the scenes is do not turn the ball over. And so he's hesitant to fire those easy shots and he's taking sacks. Mullins comes out there like Dobbs did four weeks ago and has no pressure on him and is like, yeah, I feel comfortable. Let's fire this thing down there. I think Sanchez said on the broadcast too, not to keep quoting Mark Sanchez, but um, he did say something on the broadcast that was poignant. It was like uh, Mullen's first shot downfield. And he's like, talk about coming out and just swinging for the fences. Like, yeah, he, he came out there and he was taking shots. And I, I think that is what this offense needs when you've got those playmakers around. And uh, it, it's going to be on Nick Mullins if he's starting on Saturday to continue that poise um, because they've been lacking that with with Dobbs recent play. They have. Um, they're probably going to need more than three points to beat the Bengals, but somehow that was all it took in this game because their defense, I mean, Kevin O'Connell said it in his post game, you know, locker room, they're playing. He's, he said the defense is playing at a championship level, which is, you know, this has gone from more than just, Hey, you know, wow. The defense is, is a lot better to the defense is a bona fide strength in a lot of these games. I mean, better offense. Certainly they could have beaten the bears two weeks ago and to, to pitch a shutout in a three, nothing game and to have, you know, the, the game clinching interception at the end. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just kind of stunned with, with the levels they keep going up on defense this year. Yeah, they were really good. Um, Ivan Pace was just phenomenal. Um, 13 tackles in that game. He's been the leading tackler for the Vikings 
in each of the three games since Jordan Hicks went down. And he continues to ascend now in a larger role where he's on the field 100% of the time, calling the defense, relaying what Brian Flores is saying to everybody, um, being the main line for checks from the safeties down to the defensive line when that needs to happen. Um, to see a rookie doing that, it's just remarkable. This guy's, uh, Mike, we were talking before the podcast about like he could be, why not in the defensive rookie of the yeah. year conversation? Because um, he's been making these kinds of plays and game-changing plays like the interception um, at the end. And Josh Metellus has his fourth forced fumble. Cam Bynum made a number of tackles coming from from um, deep um, to help in run support. And Aiden O'Connell is really bad. Like this Raiders offense was really bad. He Aiden O'Connell was as bad as Dobbs was, if not worse. Um, in the first quarter alone, uh, I don't know how Devonte Adams does this, but in the first quarter alone, I remember seeing Aiden O'Connell miss uh, Adams on a fake uh, screen go route, beautifully designed play and executed where Adams shakes a Caleb Evans, gets open downfield, a perfectly placed ball. That thing's probably 40 yards downfield. Instead, it's just completely overthrown and Adams has no shot. Uh, he also missed multiple reads. Uh, Aiden O'Connell took the most hilarious intentional grounding where he threw a throw a throwaway pass to the opposite side where Josh Jacobs on the other side of the field is standing wide open, waving his arms <laughs> on a check down. And Aiden O'Connell takes the intentional grounding. So uh, the Vikings didn't have much of competition to keep down, and they did a great job uh, all game of, of keeping them down. Well, and the whole thing this year has been anytime it's been a young quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback, they've looked especially good. And so O'Connell was a perfect match for that. And they'll get another chance next week. Jake Browning's been playing really well. Former Vikings been playing really well for the Bengals. But again, an, an inexperienced younger quarterback. I'm sure Flores will have something for him in that game as well. Um, but, you know, as we, as we think about this, like not to get too future forward, but like, Vikings got to find a way to keep Flores here because th- I don't like their I don't like the way the defense like stacks up unless unless you've got someone who kind of is is kind of under his wing right now and is going to run some of the same stuff like he's becoming as important as anyone to this team right now. Yeah, if coaching is if the crux of it is just maximizing your talent and getting the most out of them, I don't know who's doing a better job than Brian Flores um, in Minnesota right now and. Uh, we just see it every week and it's the it's the the varieties of how they attack everybody thinks it's always all out blitzing you know madden engage eight kind of stuff but some of the stuff they were getting Aiden O'Connell on in this game was fire zone blitzes that are bringing four. It's drop eight into coverage, but you're showing six, and all of a sudden the guy's got nobody to throw to because there's eight in coverage. And the way they design those things and get into those things uh, is really impressive and, and remarkable, and it confuses, obviously, these young quarterbacks quite a bit. So there's nobody more important to this defense, certainly. Uh, and there's nobody uh, or there's no side of the ball that's more important to their winning over the last two months uh, than their defense as well. Well, we'll talk about next week when it comes. I don't think next week's score will be the same as the wild score, but you never know. Um, <laughs> Andrew Kramer, appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. Good stuff from Andrew. A good column in today's paper and on StartTribune.com too by Jim Suhan, StartTribune columnist. Go check that out. Imploring the Vikings and the Will family to do whatever it takes this offseason to keep Brian Flores in the fold with the Vikings. Now, I saw the headline and I was wondering if he was going to go deep and uh, deep and far to advocate that uh, that they should consider making him 
the head coach he did not do that i i'm not you know i would never i would never say that but there is kind of that feeling of i think i don't know it was Royce and i or chip and i on a show last week there's kind of this feeling of um you know when when the vikings had mike tomlin back in the day and he was their defensive coordinator had a really good year under brad childress then he got that pittsburgh head job he's still there uh, he he is he has been he has taken that job and run with it. He has been incredible there for you know the better part of you know fifteen eighteen years now. I think it was two thousand seven that maybe he took over the job there, and you know has been to been to and won Super Bowls there. So it's not quite like that. Kevin O'Connell's done a really good job here. I think he's a very good head coach. I think his offensive play calling still needs some work, and I'll get to that in a minute. I think I think there's some in-game stuff that I, I don't that I don't love that I, that I would question in some of the preparation, but that's not where I'm at. But it, Suhan's column didn't advocate that, but it did advocate a title improvement, some more money, whatever it takes to make to 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 entice Brian Flores to stay here for at least another year beyond this one. Say, hey Brian, wait till wait till that best opportunity comes along. You know what? Though, if it does come along this off season, then there's a great chance for him to go somewhere, and it's a great opportunity. He should go. He's earned it. He's you know as much as it would hurt the Vikings, he's got to do what he's got to do. So that will be a fascinating offense off season question. In addition to quarterback, uh, what do you do with Daniel Hunter? Uh, signing some of these other guys to extensions like Justin Jefferson. It's a big off season, and that is one of the big questions coming up. It is poetry time on daily delivery, and Woo! what a game to describe with haiku. Five seven five format. Um, I think you have four uh, haiku vikus today. Do you not, Keith Rashad? More than the points scored in the game, right? More. I put in more effort on on haiku than they did on offense in this yes. game. Yes, you you all well, you scored as many points as they did, and you you had you led as many touchdown drives as they did. You um you were about as effective quarterbacking as. Dobbs was anyway. I don't want to steal your thunder. Let's let's hear Vaiku one, please. Respect your elders, but not all old things are good. Football has evolved. Yeah, I, let me tell you, you something. Let me tell you, you seeing three nothing games, are we? So, so you and I have a few things in common. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, we like to read. Yes, we like sports. Yes. Right. So, which means at some point in our lives, we have both read about the early days of football. Yes. And we've read about how some game in 1918 was the game of the century, right? right. This classic contest against the, the you know, you have on one side, right, the Confederated Guild of Iron Workers of Central Pennsylvania. <laughs> the the Mill City the, Knickerbockers against the, yeah. Against the, against the, uh, the all-star Ivy League Prissy Boys, right? right. In this yes. massive right. contest, right? That was... And, and there was 22 players on the field and they right. all played all 60 minutes, all, you know, all 22, both ways, 60 minutes, despite the fact that 10 of them were literally dead from consumption at the time, influenza. And it's this massive contest of wills and nobody gave an inch. And, and it's this incredible contest that sports writers in the day were calling the, the, the game of the century. Yeah. And then you find out it was, it ended up six, three with seven missed field goals. <laughs> right. It's like, and like, you know, two people got broken arms. One person like, you know, was never the same again. It was, yeah. Oh but yeah. yeah but, they were all never the same again. They're all right? never the, the same again. Right. They are handing out concussions left. But right. all of which is to say that game 
look like it was played 100 years ago. Right. Yes. After about three, about three years after that, they they allowed the forward pass. Right. Yeah. Nobody know how to do it. Right. They were and still figuring it out. It was just terrible. And there's no excuse, right? Like they're playing indoors, right? This wasn't like you know you've seen a few low scoring games, like you know, regardless of how it turned out, eh, maybe not regardless, but you know that that Vikings playoff game in the bitter cold against Seattle eight years ago like that was a good game even though it was 10 to 9 like that was a well played hard fought game even if Blair Walsh missed a 27 yard field goal but like when you go 0-0 for 58 minutes in a climate controlled stadium in 2023 that is more to do with offense than defense i'm sorry it is yeah it was it was i i i am in my academic career, something of a historian, among other things. That was a piece of football history I did not need to, to live. Let's never watch that again. Okay, Vaiku 2, please. You're good at one thing, and it's not accuracy. Just leave the pocket. Except when he leaves the pocket, it seems like it's kind of a road to nowhere. Like, I, I think the problem is... You're right. He does one thing well. I don't know if they're. I don't know. We're talking about Joshua Dobbs, obviously. Um, I don't know if they are designing things perfectly, but he's he's also like when he flees the pocket. Now teams are kind of onto him, right? Like if we know that he does one thing well, which is escape, buy a little time, improvise, then now other teams know that. Unfortunately, so now it seems like whenever he leaves the pocket, he's like running backwards or running to the side, and someone's waiting there for him. And it didn't probably help that. During that game, there were at times three backups in the game on the offensive line, and certainly two for a lot of the game after O'Neill was hurt, and you already had um, you already had the injury to Ingram. So I don't know. I I, I agree, but it also seems like that the teams might have might have caught on a little bit to what he does well. Well, maybe okay, maybe. And let's let's concede this up front because this is the honest to goodness truth, and we should remember this. Josh Dobbs has been put in a terrible position. Yes. He was traded midseason. He was thrown into the fire right away. He had some early success. And the fact that he's not succeeding now should not necessarily be a surprise to any of us. So let's just recognize that this is an impossible situation to begin with. But, you know, you're involved to a certain extent with youth sports, and I am a coach in youth sports, right? And it reminds me of of sometimes in youth sports, you'll see this thing, you'll see a kid, right? A kid who's, say, like, extremely fast. He's really fast and and somehow has a a little bit of ability, right? He's out there shagging fly balls and, and... catching everything right. and then you lean over to some parent and you say oh what position does he play and they'll say oh he's a catcher <laughs> right yeah. or is some kid in the youth basketball league who's a foot taller than everybody who's trying to jack up threes all the time right right it's like you have a skill set right but for some reason you want to do this thing or it feels like you want to do this thing that you're not good at or you're not capable of right it's like the it's like the kid who's a really great skater who wants to play hockey or wants to play goalie. Right. And, and the idea of trying to turn Josh Dobbs into a packet or pocket passer, or that he seems to have, I don't know if it's coaching or if it's own desire to, to demonstrate that he can do this. He can throw from the pocket. I don't know how many times I yelled at the screen uh, watching this game, just run, just yeah. run, just 
move, just go. Don't just stand there and go through your progressions. Just take off, right? And it's and when they were playing loose and free, things were just moving. And 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 sure, maybe they're game planning for it now and, and doing better that way. But there was there was some instinct there. There was some athleticism there. There was some actual movement there. And now it's all gummed up, right? Yeah. Clearly his head is messed up with everything that, that's going on. And again, you can't blame him because it's an impossible situation. But this is still not playing to the to the guy's strengths, and no. we've seen it just deteriorate. Yeah, I think he's been overcoached. I think he was better when he was playing free. I think he's been asked to do things that that, that – that are necessary to a degree to go through your progressions. Like you're not always going to be able to improvise, but he's being asked to do things that don't necessarily fall into his strengths and you know, probably to see how well he can do them. And the answer is he doesn't do them very well. And by the way, thankfully you weren't one of those players who was one of the great skaters who then wanted to play goalie. No, I just wanted to play goalie. You just wanted to play goalie. Yeah. Uh, like me right. three, please. Uh, lightness in the dark. We all need both to survive. They are unbalanced. Is this talking about the offense and the defense? What are we talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. Look, give me last year's offense. Give me this year's defense. Right? We've talked about this before. It drives me insane. They can never have ball. They can never have ball. They've never had a season where both of the sides of the ball have lined up in a way that will allow them for success, right? If you had last year's offense and this year's defense, just imagine what the possibilities could be. But in my lifetime, they've never done that. They never, ever, ever lined up. Like maybe the closest was 09 with Favre, but that wasn't necessarily a great defense, right? You can look back at the Case Keenum year when they did have a great defense, but that was a very lucky quarterback and the head coach wanted to remind you of that every single week with yeah. his with his immaculate and immense leadership capabilities, constantly talking down his quarterback. And it, oh, Simmer just drives me nuts, right? Just drives me. He's nuts. still and driving you nuts, like two years later. Yes, he is. He still is. And uh, I'm not going to get started about him because whatever. But maybe in the summertime, yeah. when you're looking for content, we can rank the the crappiest Vikings coaches of all time, but that's a conversation for another time, right? But it's just never lined up and it drives me nuts because they're going to lose Brian Flores and it's not going to be better next year. Oh. And it's, it's just one time. It's one time. Let's get them both in, in, in the same season. Zimmer would have loved that game yesterday, by the way. Oh, Three yeah, nothing? Would, yes. Yes. It would have been his, his magnum opus, just his, his, the best, the best of the best. He would not have. Now, I think you're right. 2017 was probably there. Yeah, wasn't sustainable, but for for that season, that was probably the best example of the offense and defense playing at a high level. And until, of course, it you know came crashing down in the title game. But it was that was probably the that was probably the year they had the best of both of those things, at least in terms of both of them being top ten caliber. No, certainly in recent memory. Recently, yes. yeah. They probably had some teams in the 70s that were a little bit better than that. Okay, final one, please. This is the season, but I do not want to see anyone named Nick. <laughs> okay, explain this to me. I start Jaron Hall. Do not start Nick Mullins, please. Please, 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 please. Nick Mullins was not better. He was not better when he was in there. The one big pass to Hawkinson 
was deflected off of, of a defensive player's hands, right? That's not, it wasn't a pinpoint accurate throw. It happened to bounce into his hands, the guy who was covered. She did not play any better. She got lucky with one throw to get them close enough to kick the field goal. And Nick Mullins, right, couldn't play earlier because he was hurt. I'm not convinced that he's really truly healthy enough to play. I don't want to see Dobbs anymore, right? And I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too much on the hype train with with uh, Jaron Hall, but he looked at least competent in the small sample size that we saw him. There's no future with Nick Mullins. There's no hope. There's no possibility. There's no way you can see him coming in and saving the day. You may as well go with the one quarterback that at least gives a little bit of hope and demonstrated some capacity and capability in the very small sample size that we've seen. But if we see Nick Mullins, it's just over. It's not going to be better. Even with the championship caliber defense, I mean, that's that's probably the reason, that's probably the argument to play Mullins is that he gives you you know, I was on. I was on. Give Dobbs another start. I'm way off that now. I don't want. I don't think we see him again. I, it's. It's. You know, whether that's fair to him. I mean, he did win them two games, but the last two and a half games have just been so bad that I don't think there's enough time to make up whatever this gap is in what him. he does well. What's that? Right. They've ruined him at this point. Yeah. They've. They've. They've taken him too far in one direction. They've tried to say, at some point, you're going to have to do this, but instead of riding the the wave they they kind of they they went too fast to the this is what you've got to do mullins i i would get why they would start him just because he's been in the system for the longest amount of time he could win you a 17 to 13 kind of game and your defense is actually capable of winning a game like that but you you claim he can do that you claim he can do that but i don't necessarily believe it Right. He I don't believe that he's actually still healthy or healthy enough to perform at a reasonable level. I don't believe that he's necessarily talented enough even to get you those 17 points, particularly when he's hurt. Right. And and what I saw, again, it's a tough situation. He got thrown in in the middle of a game with a bunch of backup offensive linemen and and so he had a tough set of circumstances as well, too. But I do not believe I, I do not accept the premise that he is that quote unquote capable backup who can come in and, and not mess everything up for you that pass to hawkinson bounced off the defender's hands that was not a good throw no but he had he, he had three third down conversions on the actual field goal drive the one to hawkins the hawkinson play wasn't even on their their scoring drive that was the drive before the drive but the, on, the, on the scoring drive he made some good passes some good decisions I'm, he's 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 a backup. He's a backup for a reason. He started some games in the league because of injuries in the past, but he is definitely a backup for a reason. But he, you know, probably could make enough plays to keep you in a low-scoring game, which is, you know, that's faint praise, right? Like, you you need defense. I, I get what you're saying. Jaron Hall is probably the most intriguing option at this point if, if this is what we're going to see from Dobbs on a week-in and week-out basis. Um, I just don't... I think he would have been... Hall would have been the number two quarterback in this game if they were thinking in that direction. I just I don't think that's going to happen. Well, and they've made such great decisions with the quarterbacks lately. So you know, you guys, I guess you got to even give the credit, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and I was wrong. I was wrong, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I was wrong so much as I'm disappointed in what I saw. Well, Sunday. no, I'm saying I'm saying, look, the the coaching staff has yeah. done such a great yes, job. That's with what I know what you're saying. You know, and, and so I think. 
we are going to see the 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 quote unquote safe choice with Mullins, but I don't think it's that safe. I don't I don't think that it's honestly going to give him the best chance to win. And I think you're going to see Kirk Cousins next year. Okay. Hope you enjoyed another award-winning edition of Vikings Poetry. Let's finish with the cooler. Let's talk about everything good that happened for the Vikings this this weekend. I know we we complain a lot about the you know the process. They won the game. Uh, they won the game three nothing. It was terribly ugly. There were a lot of things about it not to like. There was a lot of things about it to like on defense. Um, but results wise, this weekend could not have gone much better for the Vikings. There's a bunch of teams that were six and six going into the weekend. Vikings were one of them. They're the only one of the six and six NFC teams that won. The Packers finished off what was pretty much a perfect weekend for the Vikings. Even some five and seven teams lost, some six and six teams lost. The Rams, the Packers, um, you know, a bunch of teams of the Seahawks, a bunch of teams that they're battling for wild card playoff position. Even I know the division is still in reach. You know, theoretically, it is even they control their own destiny. If the Vikings win out because they play two against Detroit and Detroit's only two games up on them. If the Vikings win out, they will win the division. But wild card still the most likely scenario if they're going to make the playoffs. Everything happened good for the Vikings this this weekend, including the Giants beating the Packers on a last-second field goal. That should have thrilled you if you are a Vikings fan because everything broke their way. What would have made you a little bit annoyed or maybe even disgusted Monday night is watching the Giants with Tommy DeVito, uh, you know, a, a very, you know, average, you know, backup quarterback who's, you know, kind of rushed into this year to kind of help save their season with a lot of injuries. Daniel Jones, of course, going down there, you know, down to the basically the third string guy. Um, Giants put up 24 points, almost 400 yards of offense. They don't ask DeVito to do too much. 17 of 21, throwing the ball, 158, a touchdown, no interceptions massive QBR, like 81.7, passer rating 113.9. He also runs 10 times for 71 yards. Yeah, they, they put up what? Uh, he wasn't sacked at all. They put up like a, yeah, 367 yards of offense. They use him in a way, quick, you know, quick throws and runs, and that's how they move the ball. Huh, sounds like something they could have, the Vikings could do with Josh Dobbs instead of having him sit in the pocket exposed going through three or four reads. I'm not saying DeVito and Dobbs are exactly the same quarterback. It looks like DeVito maybe has a little bit more accuracy to him. What I am saying is I still don't think the Vikings did Josh Dobbs any favors with the game plans in these last two games. I'm not saying Dobbs did himself any favors either. Dobbs was not good in those games, and the switch to Nick Mullins will be completely understandable if they go that direction. I still don't think the Vikings used Dobbs in the ways they should have, especially seeing what he did when he was playing a little bit more loose and off script and quick in that Atlanta game, in that New Orleans game, in the first half against Denver when he was really good. Um, it's been basically half good, half bad for Josh Dobbs, and the bad has come as he's learned more of the offense and they've tried to have him stick to the script. Anyway, that's just what I think about that. You should have been a little bit annoyed if you watched the Giants move the ball with a quarterback who I think maybe has less talent than Josh Dobbs. That will do it for me today. Chip Scoggins coming up on Wednesday's show to talk Gophers. whole bunch of transfers coming in from the portal to the Gophers. Um, Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator, heading out to Michigan State. i got to pick Chip's brain on a bunch of Gophers questions and maybe some Vikings stuff as well. Until then, I am Michael Rand, back at it again tomorrow.